Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Okay, <clears throat> hopefully it's recording. Talk is really acting up again. Like everything's muted. Uh, I want to see something. Start with a little way here. <clears throat> technical problems over and over and over and over again. So I hope I'm not wasting my time doing this. Come on. It's all froze up. Okay. Looks like it's still going on. Anyways, we'll finally get around to doing this reading. Hey, you can find out on RevenantOfGod.org. Uh, um, it's called How the Vatican uh, Created Islam, uh, the Astonishing Story of Ex-Jesuit Priest Alberto Rivera, which was told by told to him by Cardinal B while he was in the Vatican. <clears throat> And then it says here by Alberto uh, Rivera, colcondagger.de, article from, um, looks like, uh, on all places, uh, davidike.com, uh, choosingoflife.net slash Islam. That one's been disabled, it says. So anyways, you can find from org, and I don't. I'm not part of his group or anything like that, but once in a while, you know, uh, Nicholas has some good articles. <clears throat> so, you find it where you can find it. Okay, this information came from uh, Alberto Rivera, former Jesuit priest, after his conversion to Protestant Christianity. In this excerpt um, from the Pope, published by Chick publications, P.O. Box 661, Chino, California, 91708. Since his publication, after several unsuccessful attempts on his life, he died suddenly from food poisoning. His testimony should not be silenced. Dr. Rivera speaks to us still. And this is a quote. I well. What I am going to tell you is what I learned in secret briefings in the Vatican when I was a Jesuit priest under oath and induction. A Jesuit cardinal named Augustine B. 
showed us how desperately the Roman Catholic Church wanted Jerusalem at the end of the 3rd century. Because of its religious history and its strategic location, the Holy City was considered a priceless treasure. A scheme had to be developed to make Jerusalem a Roman Catholic city. <clears throat> the great untapped sources of manpower that could do this job was the child of Ishmael, or the children of Ishmael, excuse me. The poor Arabs fell victim to one of the most clever plans ever devised by the powers of darkness. Early Christians went everywhere with the gospel, setting up small churches, but they met heavy opposition. Both the Jews and the Roman government persecuted the believers of, in Christ to stop their spread. But the Jews rebelled against Rome in 70 AD. Roman armies under General Titus smashed Jerusalem, destroyed their great Jewish temple, which was the heart of the Jewish worship and fulfillment of Christ's prophecy in Matthew 24.2. On this holy place today, where the temple once stood, the Dome of the Rock Mosque stands as Islam's second most holy place. Sweeping changes were in the wind. Corruption, apathy, greed, cruelty, perversion, and rebellion were eating at the Roman Empire, and it was ready to collapse. The persecution against Christians was useless as they continued to lay down their lives for the gospel of Christ. The only way Satan could stop this thrust was to create a counterfeit Christian religion to destroy the word of God. The solution was in Rome. Their religion had come from ancient Babylon, and all it needed all it needed was a facelift. This didn't happen overnight, but began in the writings of the early church fathers. It was through their writings that a new religion would take shape. The statue of Jupiter in Rome was eventually called uh, St. Peter, and the statue of Venus was changed to the Virgin Mary. The site chosen for its headquarters was on one of the seven hills called Vaticanus, the place of the divine serpent where this uh, satanic temple of Juno stood. And of course, in the last part, uh, David says that it's actually on the eighth hill. Uh, regardless of which hill it's on, it's actually still in Rome. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so which one is it? The seventh hill or the eighth hill? I don't know. Something to think about, I guess, to put in the back of your mind. For uh, It was through their Okay, it was through their writings that a new religion would take shape. Okay, we just read that. The great counterfeit religion of the Roman Catholicism called Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, the abomination of the earth, Revelation 17.5. 
She was raised up to block the gospel, slaughter the believers in Christ, establish religions, create wars, and make the nations drunk with the wine of her fornication, as we will see. Three major religions have one thing in common. Each has a holy place where they look for guidance. The Roman Catholic Church, or Roman Catholicism, looks to the Vatican as the holy city. The Jews look to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, and the Muslims look to Mecca as their holy city. Each group believes that they receive certain types of blessings for the rest of their lives for visiting their holy place. In the beginning, Arab visitors would bring gifts to the house of God, and the keepers of the Kaaba, that's K-A-A-B-A, were gracious to all who came. Some brought their idols, and not wanting to offend these people, their idols were placed inside the sanctuary. It is said that the Jews looked upon Kaaba as an outlying tabernacle of the Lord with veneration until it became polluted with idols. And then if you have a picture of the Kaaba, Mecca, it's an image from webislam.com. In a tribal connection over a well, and then it discusses the well is called Zamzam, Z-A-M-Z-A-M, the treasure of the Kaaba and the offerings that pilgrims had given were dumped down the well, and it was filled with sand. And it disappeared many years later, Ab al-Muttalib, uh, was given visions telling him where to find the well and its treasure. He became the hero of Mecca, and he was destined to become the grandfather of Muhammad. Before this time, Augustine became the bishop of North Africa and was effective in winning Arabs to Roman Catholicism, including whole tribes. It was among these Arab converts to Catholicism, that the concept of looking for an Arab prophet developed. Muhammad's father died from illness, and sons born to great Arab families and places like Mecca were sent into the desert to be suckled and weaned and spend some of their childhood with the Bedouin tribes for training and to avoid the plagues of the cities or in the city, excuse me. After his mother and grandfather also died, Muhammad was with his uncle when a Roman Catholic monk learned of his identity and said, take your brother's son back to his country and guard him against the Jews, for by God, if they see him and know of him, that which I know, they will construe evil against him. Great things are in store for this boy's, this brother's son of yours, excuse me. <clears throat> the Roman Catholic monk had fanned the flames for future Jewish persecutions at the hands of the followers of Muhammad. 
The Vatican desperately wanted Jerusalem because of its religious significance, but was blocked by the Jews. Another problem was the true Christians of North Africa who preached the gospel. Roman Catholicism was growing in power, but would not tolerate opposition, and still doesn't. Somehow the Vatican had to create a weapon to eliminate both the Jews and the true Christian believers who refused to accept Roman Catholicism. Looking to North Africa, they saw the multitudes of Arabs as a source of manpower to do their dirty work. Some of the Arabs had become Roman Catholics and could be used in reporting information to leaders in Rome. Others were used and the underground spy network to carry out Rome's master plan to control the great multitude of Arabs who rejected Catholicism. When St. Augustine appeared on the scene, he knew what was going on. His monasteries served as bases to seek out and destroy Bible manuscripts owned by true Christians. The Vatican wanted to create a messiah for the Arabs, someone they could raise up as a great leader, a man with a charisma, whom they could train and eventually unite all the non-Catholic Arabs behind him, creating a mighty army that would ultimately capture Jerusalem for the Pope. In the Vatican briefing, Cardinal B told us this story. A wealthy Arabian lady who was a faithful follower of the people played a tremendous part in this drama. She was a widow named Kedijah. She gave her wealth to the church, retired to a convent, but was given an assignment. She was to find a brilliant young man who could be used by the Vatican to create a new religion and become the Messiah for the children of Ishmael. Kedijah had a cousin named Warakua, who was also a very faithful Roman Catholic, and the Vatican placed him in a critical role as Muhammad's advisor. He had tremendous influence on Muhammad. Teachers were sent to young Muhammad, and he had intensive training. Muhammad studied the works of St. Augustine, which prepared him for his great calling. The Vatican had Catholic Arabs across North Africa spread the story of a great one who was about to rise up among the people and be the chosen one of their God. While Muhammad was being prepared, he was told, that his enemies were the Jews and that the only true Christians were Roman Catholic. He was taught that others calling themselves Christians were actually wicked imposters and should be destroyed. Many Muslims believed this. Muhammad began receiving divine revelations and his wife's Catholic cousin, Warakua, helped... uh, uh, interpret them. From this came the Quran. In the fifth year of Muhammad's mission, persecution came against his followers because they refused to worship the idols of Kaaba. 
Muhammad instructed some of them to flee to, uh, here we go, Abyssinia, where Negus, the Roman Catholic king, accepted them because Muhammad's view on the Virgin Mary were so close to Roman Catholic doctrine. These Muslims received protection from Catholic kings because Muhammad's revelations. Muhammad later conquered Mecca and the Kaaba were cleared of idols. History proves that before Islam came into existence, the uh, Sabians and Arabia worshipped the moon god who was married to the sun god. They gave birth to three goddesses who were worshipped throughout the Arab world as daughters of Allah. An idol excavated from Hazor in Palestine in the 1950s shows Allah sitting on a throne with the crescent moon at his crest. Muhammad claimed that he had a vision from Allah and was told, you are the messenger of Allah. This began his career as a prophet and he received many messages. Um, by the time Muhammad died, the religion of Islam was exploding. Nomadic Arab tribes were joining forces in the name of Allah and his prophet Muhammad. Some of Muhammad's writings were placed in the Quran, others were never published. They are now in the hands of high-ranking holy men, ayatollahs, in the Islamic faith. When Cardinal B shared with us in the Vatican, he said, these writings are guarded because they contain information that links the Vatican to the creation of Islam. Both sides have so much information on each other that if exposed, it could create such a scandal that it would be disastrous for both religions. In their holy book, the Quran, Christ is regarded as only a prophet. If the Pope was his representative on earth, then he also must be a prophet of God. This caused the followers of Muhammad to fear and respect the Pope as another holy man. The Pope moved quickly and issued bulls, uh, granting the Arab generals permission to invade and conquer the nations of North Africa. The Vatican helped to finance the buildings of these massive Islamic armies in exchange for three favors. One, eliminate the Jews and Christians, true believers, which they called infidels. Two, protect Augustinian monks and Roman Catholics. Three, conquer Jerusalem for his holiness in the Vatican. As time went by, the power of Islam became tremendous. Jews and true Christians were slaughtered, and Jerusalem fell in their hands. Roman Catholics were never attacked, nor were there shrines during this time, although you'll hear other folks, and one man in particular I can't think of, but he's I think he just passed away as well. Um, maybe he passed away a while, but anyways, you see him on the internet and all that. I should bring that up in the, in the next episode or two concerning uh, this topic of his name because he's uh, came out of uh, St. Louis and clearly has been influenced by the Jesuits, and he tells the complete opposite story almost to this. So 
And interesting, actually, it'd be kind of interesting to compare the two stories and let people who are listening make their own decision, you know what I mean? Well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, the Arab generals had much military success that they could not be intimidated by the Pope. Nothing could stand in the way of their own plan. Under Warakua's direction, Muhammad wrote that Abraham offered Ishmael as a sacrifice. The Bible says that Isaac was the sacrifice, but Muhammad removed Isaac's name and inserted Ishmael's name. As a result of this and Muhammad's vision, the faithful Muslims built a mosque, the Dome of the Rock, in Ishmael's honor on the site of the Jewish temple that was destroyed in 70 AD. This made Jerusalem the second most holy place in the Islam faith. How could they give such a sacred shrine to the Pope without causing a revolt? <clears throat> okay. Uh, the Pope realized they had created, what they had created was out of control when he heard they were calling his holiness an infidel. The Muslim generals were deemed, excuse me, determined to conquer the world for Allah, and now they turned towards Europe. Islamic ambassadors approached the Pope and asked for papal bulls to give them permission to invade European countries. The Vatican was outraged. War was inevitable. Temporal power and control of the world was considered the basic right of the Pope. He wouldn't think of sharing it with those whom he considered heathens. The Pope raised up his armies and called them crusades to hold back the children of Ishmael from grabbing Catholic Empire, Catholic Europe, excuse me. The Crusades lasted centuries and Jerusalem slipped out of the Pope's hands. Turkey fell and Spain and Portugal were invaded by Islamic forces. In Portugal they called a mountain village Fatima in honor of Muhammad's daughter, never dreaming it would become world famous. Years later when Muslim armies were poised on the island of Sardinia and Corsica to invade Italy, there was a serious problem. The Islamic generals realized they were too far extended. It was time for peace talks. One of the negotiators was Francis of Assisi. As a result, the Muslims were allowed to occupy Turkey in a Christian world, and the Catholics were allowed to occupy Lebanon in an Arabic world. It was also agreed that the Muslims could build mosques in Catholic countries without interference as long as Roman Catholicism could flourish in Arab countries. Cardinal Beast uh, told us in, in Vatican briefings that both the Muslims and Roman Catholics agreed to block and destroy the efforts of their common enemy. Bible-believing Christian missionaries through these concordance, Satan blocked the children of Ishmael from the knowledge of Scripture and the truth. A light control was kept on Muslims from the Ayatollah down through the Islamic priests, nuns, and monks. 
The Vatican also engineered a campaign of hatred between the Muslim Arabs and the Jews. Before this, they had coexisted peacefully. The Islamic community looks on the Bible-believing missionaries as a devil who brings poison to the children of Allah. This explains years of missionaries in those countries with little results. The next plan was to control Islam. In 1910, Portugal was going socialist. Red flags were appearing, and the Roman Catholic Church was facing a major problem. Increasing numbers were against the church. The Jesuits wanted Russia involved, and the location of this vision of Fatima could play a key part in pulling Islam to the Mother Church. In 1917, the the Virgin appeared in Fatima. The Mother Church was a smashing success. Excuse me, a mo- the Mother of God was a smashing success, playing playing to o- overflow clou- crowds. As a result, the socialists of Portugal suffered a major defeat. Roman Catholics worldwide began praying for the conversion of Russia, and the Jesuits invented the. Novenius, the Novenius of Fatima, which they could perform throughout North Africa, spreading good public relations to the Muslim world. The Arabs thought they were honoring the daughter of Muhammad, which is what the Jesuits wanted them to believe. As a result of the vision of Fatima, Pope Pius XII ordered his Nazi army to crush Russia and the Orthodox religion and make Russia, Roman Catholic. A few years after he lost World War II, Pope Pius started the world with his phony dancing sun vision to keep Fatima in the news. It was great religious showbiz and the world swallowed it. Not surprisingly, Pope Pius was the only one to see the vision. As a result, a group of followers has grown into the Blue Army worldwide, totaling millions of faithful Roman Catholics ready to die for the Blessed Virgin. But we haven't seen anything yet. The Jesuits have their Virgin Mary scheduled to appear four or five times in China, Russia, and major appearances in the U.S. What what has this got to do with Islam? Note from Bishop Sheen's statement, our Lady's appearance at Fatima marks the turning point in the history of the world's 350 million Muslims. Of course, this was back then, right? That number is significantly increased. After the death of his daughter, Muhammad wrote that she is the most holy of all women in paradise next to Mary. He believed that uh, the Virgin Mary chose to be known as Our Lady of Fatima as a sign and a pledge that the Muslims who believe in Christ's virgin birth will come to believe in his divinity. Bishop Sheen pointed out that the pilgrim virgin statue of Our Lady of Fatima were enthusiastically received by Muslims in Africa, India, and elsewhere, and that many Muslims are now coming into the Roman Catholic Church. Once again, you can find this on remnants of 
the realms of God at, uh, dot org. And then what I'd like to do is start reading. Uh, this is from archive.org. And let's skip to the top here. Uh, is Alberto for real? Table of Contacts. Introduction, Publishers Forward, Chapter 1. Twelve most frequently heard charges against Alberto, Alberto answered. Chapter 2, Private Investigation of Alberto. And Chapter 3, Answer to Article in Christianity Today. <clears throat> and we're going to determine, uh, maybe this may help us determine the validity of the statements and claims that we just read, hopefully. Okay, introduction. Is Alberto for real? That is a controversial question I have been asked many times by those who have read Dr. Alberto Rivera and various Chick publication materials. Alberto Rivera is a former Roman Catholic Jesuit priest who was converted to Christ. Once saved, he began exposing behind-the-scenes activities of the Roman Catholic Church. Chick Publications in the United States has produced a series of Crusader comics. Alberto, uh, Double Cross, The Godfathers, The Force, and The Four Horsemen, which include portions of the life story of Alberto Rivera and other uh, volatile information that he gave them. The comics have had a varied effect on those who have read them. Some have become extremely hostile, while many others have had their eyes open and been converted to Christ. Alberto's testimony has been challenged in most cases by those who hold an ecumenical or pro-Roman Catholic position. Roman Catholics obviously are the most upset by Alberto's shocking statements. Some have attacked either the person of Alberto Rivera in an effort to discredit him or the information he has given, alleging it, it, it to be extreme, even uh, fraudulent. <clears throat> Catholics who know the facts of their church seldom t- attempt to refute what Alberto says about the Catholic Church. Therefore, their attacks against him come primarily in the form of relentless character assassinations. And preparing an answer to one of Dr. Rivera's critics, Reverend Fred J. Buck, or Buick, and Helmut Subuck of the Perth Free Presbyterian Church have done a vast amount of research which enables us to give well-documented answers to questions that will be answered in this book. My role has been to compile all this information in book form to answer many of the questions asked about Dr. Rivera's claims. It is our prayer that God will use our efforts to accomplish two things. Convince you that Albert... Albert Rivera was, in fact, what he says he was, and to enable you to give clear, factual answers to those who question the validity of Dr. Rivera's testimony. Though many have tried over the 
last 10 years, none have successfully refuted the claims that Dr. Revere has made against the Roman Catholic Church. The purpose of this book is to refute the most frequently made charges against the content of the above-mentioned books and against Dr. Revere's personality. Sid Hunter, uh, Strathpin, QLD, Australia. <clears throat> Publishers Forward. Here at Chick Publishers, Chick Publications, we frequently receive reports of well-known Christian leaders who attack us because of our stand on Roman Catholicism. They continue to repeat the well-worn Catholic position of on Albert Rivera, doing everything they can to discredit him, yet ignoring the facts entirely. Several years ago, when Dr. Rivera first told me his amazing story, he showed me a tremendous amount of documents, letters, ID, cards, photos of himself as priest, wearing his vestments. All this information gave me all this information gave me absolute proof that he had, in fact, been a Jesuit priest. <clears throat> Dr. Rivera warned me that the forces of Rome would attack me without mercy if I dared to write his story. He said they would do their best to destroy our reputation by flooding the country with false information. I prayed about it, and the Lord gave me the go-ahead to print his story. I felt it was... Uh, vital to get Dr. Rivera's message both to the body of believers who use our material and to multiple, multiple millions of unsaved Roman Catholics who are being deceived by this false religious system. I was totally committed, even unto death, to obey the Lord and expose this horror of the Book of Revelation. I am shocked by those who claim to be experts on all the other enemies of the gospel, yet never open their mouths about the spiritual whoredom of Rome. I can only repeat the warning of Apostle Paul, the writer of the book of Romans, that great epistle on the doctrine of salvation by faith, not works, penance, or being religious. <clears throat> Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Romans 16, verses 17, 18. After personally knowing Dr. Revere and closely watching both his life and his vibrant soul-winning ministry for the last 10 years, I am totally convinced that he is a true servant of God. <clears throat> I've seen the physical attacks on both him and his wife. I've seen the bullet holes in his home. I've seen him ruthlessly slandered by Catholic-controlled Christian magazines. <clears throat> the more he is the more his he is persecuted, the more convinced I am that his message is true and vitally important. I rejoice that because 
of his willingness to expose Rome, many precious Roman Catholics have been saved and now know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They have, have, left, they have left the mother of harlots and are now serving God in truth according to his blessed word. I know I will stand before the Lord someday and learn the multitudes who escaped the burning flames of hell. They will spend eternity basking in the warm glow of heaven because they learned the blessed truth through Dr. Rivera's story. On that day, I know I'll look back and recall the high cost of exposing Rome, but conclude that all the attacks and persecution were worth it. I know my only thought will be praise God for the precious souls that were won to Christ. Without question, Dr. Rivera is for real. Uh, the fact that no one has ever disproved his priestly credentials proves he is real. The persecution he's endured since he began exposing Rome proves he's real. The thousands of souls that have been saved through his ministry proves he's real. History and the writings of many others prove he is real. All the facts prove one thing. Albert Rivera is for real. The message he tells is just as real. It is not a message of hate, as the Catholic hierarchy like to insist. Rather, it's, it is the ultimate message of love. To willingly suffer the attacks and persecutions to awaken people... I'm going to move this a little bit. It looks like it's starting... Uh, okay. Well, I have someone awaking. Uh, it is the ultimate message of love, the willingness to suffer the attacks and persecution to awaken people to the false teachings of this corrupt religious system. May the eyes of many precious Roman Catholics be open, and may their souls be one to Christ through the information contained in this short book. That is our prayer and our goal. Our brother in Christ, excuse me, your brother in Christ, Jack T. Chick. Chapter 1, 12 Most Frequently Heard Charges Against Alberto Answered. In this chapter, we will face head-on the 12 most frequently heard charges against Alberto Rivera. Our approach will be to write out each charge one at a time and then follow it with our answer. Please note that our answer shall be totally independent of any material or sources which originate from Rivera or Czech's publication. Charge number one. It is extreme to call that the Jesuits infiltrated uh, Protestants and other churches. Answer. Why? Should it be considered extreme to, to claim that Roman Catholic Jesuits would infiltrate Protestant and other churches? Does not the Bible warn us that we must watch out for infiltrators who will creep into the true church of Jesus Christ, not sparing the flock? For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, Acts 20:29. For there are certain men crept in unaware 
who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, Jude 4. Nino Lobolo, in his book Vatican Papers, published by uh, a New English Library, 1982, and the ninth chapter entitled The Vatican Spy Network, makes it very clear that the Vatican has the most efficient and widespread spy network in the whole world. It outclasses even the Russian KGB. He states that this group of espionage agents came to be known uh, by the popes as the <clears throat> so, uh, here we go. Sodalitum, Sodalitum Pianum. Anyways, it's S O D A L I T I M I T. Excuse me. Let me try this again. S T. It's not that. It's S O D A L I T I M P I A N U M. And and it includes every priest, nun, monk everywhere on earth. I just got something. That was probably for James. He's talking about his hitchhiking experience. Um, he calculates that Pope's spy network to be in the region of 1.605 million persons consisting of diocesan uh, priests, regular priests, seminarians, religious males, nuns, and that indeed there are many full-time trained agents. Now what do agents do but infiltrate other organizations? And what organizations would Catholic spies infiltrate if if not other churches, especially true churches of Jesus Christ? Permit me to quote a passage from the reliable old Protestant classic, The History of Protestantism by Reverend J.A. Wiley, page 412, volume 11. Whereas no disguise they, the Jesuits, could not assume, therefore there was no place into which they could not penetrate. They could enter unheard the closets of the monarch, or the cabinet of the statesmen, they could sit unseen in convocation or general assembly and mingle unsuspected in the deliberations and debates. There was no tongue they could not speak, no creed they could not profess, and thus there was no people among whom they might not sojourn, and no church whose membership they might not enter and whose functions they might not discharge. They could uh, execrate the Pope with the Lutheran and swear a solemn league with the uh, Covenanter. Alberto is by no means the only person suggesting that Roman Catholic spies infiltrate our other churches. Anyone who has read any reputable history book books uh, must come to the same conclusion. Somewhere along 
the line we've swallowed a lie that Christians can peacefully coexist with the satanic religious system that is leading multitudes multiple millions of souls to hell. Satan will not have it so. He constantly seeks to infiltrate his enemies that he may bring about their destruction. Charge number two. Rivera is wrong in saying that St. Ignatius Loyola was the founder of the Jesuits. As for the Encyclopedia Britannica, volume uh, eight, number eight, page 1011, says that the Society of Jesus is a Roman Catholic order of clerk, clerks regular, founded by St. Ignatius Loyola in 1540. The same document refers to the Jesuit order as being a principal agent of the Counter-Reformation in 1973 edition. The Britannica also tells us that in volume, it looks like 11, page 1096, that the Illuminati was organized along Jesuit lines. So then, this is not a wild notion of one man. I didn't know that. The Defendant Britannica. Uh, it is undeniable history, available to anyone who chooses to pick up an Encyclopedia Britannica. If you are going to accuse Alberto of lying, you must make the same charge of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Why would the Encyclopedia Britannica lie about this? The simple fact is they won't, but they and the Revere are telling the truth. A great many people know it. <clears throat> the difference between Alberto and most others is this. He was on the inside of Rome's religious system and knows the facts personally. He is willing to suffer the consequences for speaking out boldly about the powerful horror of Revelation. The results of such actions are not a mystery to those who genuinely know God. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, 2 Timothy 3.12. But the suffering is well worth it when combined with the heavenly promise. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast your name as evil, for the Son of Man's sake, Luke 6.22. Boy, do I know that experience. Uh, charge number three, Rivera's conspiracy theory is extreme and paranoid. Answer, there are only two ways in which the world history can be explained. First, accidental theory. All events such as those world depressions, revolutions, wars, and political plots are the result of pure chance, such a view is as ridiculous as belief in evolution. And I hate to tell you that, folks, but one time I had that perspective. <laughs> Number two, the conspiratorial theory. World events such as mentioned above 
take place because some influential people want them to happen and make them happen. People with power meet behind closed doors and work out plans to achieve their aims. The most precise way to describe such conduct is conspiracy. To us, the conspiratorial theory makes far more sense than the accidental theory. The conspiracy claims Rivera has made are by no means extreme or paranoid. Indeed, many respected and thorough researchers have, after many years of painstaking research, come to the conclusion that there is a conspiracy at works which desires to control the world by controlling the banks, commerce, and media, and, of course, religion. I just added that last part. I, I need not mention to students of the Bible the accidental theory contradicts the uh, entire theme of the Bible, not to mention large portions of Bible prophecy. I give you here the title of 11 books in which authors who are also listed make their conspiracy beliefs known. None dare call it conspiracy Gary, Gary Allen. Rockefeller, the, the Rockefeller Rockefeller Files, Gary Allen. Proof of a Conspiracy, John Robinson, A.M. Descended into Slavery, Des Griffin, Fourth Reich of the Reich, Des Griffin, The Red Fog Over America, W.G. Carr, <clears throat> The Unhappy Lords, A.K. Chesterton, National Suicide, Anthony C. Sutton, Betrayal by Rulers, Michael uh, Strudza, Naked Capitalist, W. Cleon, uh, uh, Scrotson, and number 11 series of tapes by Dr. Stuart Crane, uh, made in... Uh, Montreal in 1976. Hmm, that sounds kind of interesting. <clears throat> While we do not agree with all of these men having written, nevertheless, one common fact on which they all seem to agree is that there is a conspiracy at work in the world. These conspirators, they conclude, are attempting to manipulate and rule the world through their control of banks, commerce, and media. So, in that respect, they agree with Rivera's claims. The one area where Rivera differs from them is the power behind the scenes. Other authors basically blame the Illuminati, the international bankers, or Zionists. The smaller group uh, groups form only a part of this uh, conspiracy by evil forces. Rivera, on the other hand, takes a more biblical stance and blames Mystery Babylon, the uh, city of seven hills, i.e. Rome, Rome, Romanism, as understood by the great Protestant reformers, see Revelation 17 and 18. <clears throat> Surely, then, Rivera is not alone in his view, but rather is just one among an almost endless line of respected authors, including modern writers, who are <clears throat> excuse me, saying much the same thing. Read the following books 
by Avril Manhattan, Catholic Power Today, Catholic Terror Today, Vatican Moscow, Washington Alliance, the Vatican Billions, Vietnam, Where Did We Go? Other good books include uh, The Vatican Against Europe by Edmund Paris, The Secret History of the Jesuits by Edmund Paris, Peter's Tomb Recently Discovered by F.P. Peterson, uh, Broadcasting Controversy, the Pope and the Catholic Action by O.T. Uh, Beswick. And I, there's a B there, and it has C. So, anyway. Uh, Fifty Years in the Church of Rome. Of course, this is Charles Chinicky. What about the Silent Conspiracy by Andrew St. Clair? For more information, see also the books No Pope Here. The book No Pope. No Pope Here by Dr. Ian Paisley, or get a copy of his cassette tape, The Black Pope and His Murder Men. <clears throat> this list is by no means complete. We could recommend many more books. These writers are saying more or less the same things as Rivera that the Vatican is the chief conspirator. One more thing, the fact that the Jesuits united with the Illuminati has to some extent been recognized by the late W.G. Carr in his book, The Red Flag Over America, based on facts backed up with personal experiences, he contends on page 225-227 that the Illuminate was actually inside the Vatican. Now, that is not so far from what Rivera is saying, is it? Rivera is certainly not alone in what he is saying. To call the man extreme and paranoid is to put it frankly grossly unfair and false. And then something about the, the identification card, I guess there was supposed to be a picture of that, was issued by the Spanish government in Spain in 1967 under the rule of the dictator Franco. His security forces were equally as strict as the Gestapo in Germany. Alberto had to supply his birth certificate, identification papers, and position proof from his archdiocese that he was a priest. He had to be approved by several security organizations similar to the CIA and the FBI to receive this document. There is no way it could be a forgery. This is positive proof that Alberto was a priest. And I have seen videos on YouTube of it, but for whatever that's worth. Charge number four, Dr. Rivera claims that Ignatius Loyola founded the, the Illuminati as paranoid. Well, I don't know if he found it. Well, maybe he did. I don't know. What was the name that... Uh, I never can remember that Spanish... I thought he joined the Illuminati first, but... Uh, answer. Without going deeply into this claim, we can prove it is not far-fetched at all. First, it is unshakable fact that the founder of the modern Bavarian Illuminati was a trained Jesuit named Adam Weishoff from uh, Engelstad, 
Bavaria, Weishaupt was a professor at Ingolstadt University, which was the center of the Jesuit Counter-Reformation. See Encyclopedia Britannica, volume, uh, looks like 12, page 251. Ingolstadt was the center where the Jesuits were flourishing in 1556. See History of Protestantism by Wiley, volume 11, page 413. Can you really believe that Weisskopf Weishoff, were to have been allowed to continue his profession in the Jesuit-controlled university if he had been, if he had deserted them. No way. All evidence suggests that he continued to work for the Jesuits, establishing the order of the Illuminati for them. Whatever the case, Rivera claims, Rivera claimed that Ignatius Loyola found the Illuminati is by no means paranoid, especially not when the fact is taken into account that Loyola was tr tried before a court in 1527 for sympathizing with the uh, Alumbrados, i.e. the Spanish Illuminati. Which, you know, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I thought he joined the Spanish Illuminati. I don't know how you... But in the same token, I see how the Illuminati and the Jesuits certainly have blended in and seem to be almost the same thing at this point. Here is what the Encyclopedia Britannica has to say on this issue. The uh, Alambrados came especially from among the Reformed Franciscans and Jesuits. St. Ignatius Loyola was charged in 1527 with sympathizing with them. Volume 1, page 693. So the Spanish Illuminati drew most of its recruits from Roman Catholic sources, the Franciscans and Jesuits, and Loyola was charged with being a, in favor with them. The persecution that Rivera has suffered for making such claims is nothing new. God's prophets down through the ages have endured similar treatments for exposing false religious teachings. However, the Bible promises Rivera a special blessing in heaven because none of the evil accusations that have been spoken against him have ever been proven true. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you, Matthew 5, 11, and 12. If Alberto's claims are wrong, then prove him wrong with cold hard facts, not cheap personal character attacks against them. Well, that's what people do. Most people don't um, do anything else in that, right? Uh, charge number five. Uh, Rivera is wrong to claim the Roman Catholic system tried to annihilate the Jews. Answer. This is a plain fact of history. During the Council of Lantern held in A.D. 1215, all heretics, Jews and Protestants, were condemned to death. This decree, as far as I am aware, has never been repealed. Uh, in chapter 13 of 50 Years in the Church of Rome, Chiniki, published by 
chick publications, you will read the following two quotes on page 56. Roman Catholics have not only the right, but it is their duty to kill heretics. We, a, we excommunicate and anathematize every her heresy that exalts itself against the holy and orthodox Catholic faith, condemning all heretics by whatever name they may be known, for though their faces differ, they are tied together by their tails, such as are condemned are to be delivered over to the existing secular powers to receive due punishment. It is an unbearable fact of history, excuse me, an undeniable fact of history, that the Jews have suffered persecution at the hands of popery for centuries. Rivera is completely right when he makes this claim. The German author Otto Markman, in his book, uh, blah, that's all in German. I'm not even going to try to say that. Sorry. Anyways, you can... It's uh, I-R-R-Tumor and I-R-R-T-U-M-E-R Der, D-E-R Catholic Church. So something about the Catholic Church, right? says <clears throat> crusades during the cruel crusades which the popes instigated we remember atrocities committed by the mercenaries to capture the Constantinople and the setting up of uh, the Latin uh, patri patri uh, patriarch <laughs> patriarchant in East, in the East, during the First Crusade, which was called by Pope Alexander II in the year 1063, the North Spanish city of uh, Barbrestro was conquered. 50,000 Muslims were tortured and slaughtered. I tell you what, man, people are just flat-out wicked. Man, gosh, and then... And, and Constantinople, the most horrific Jewish program were conducted. Jews were burned alive in the synagogue. Second Cruc the Second Crusade of, uh, looks like, 1147 started just, does that make sense? I guess that would be, just as the first with murdering Jews and the slaughter of Muslims in Portugal. In 1377, Jews were slaughtered in the Bavarian village of Degendorf. Ferreira uh, Martinez, who was Archbishop Coadjutor in Silva, conducted the bapti baptizing war of Silva with the cry, Be baptized or die! He destroyed the Jewish community of 30,000 members. 4,000 were murdered, and the rest were sold as slaves. 10,000 of the persecuted Jews, in fear of death, submitted to the forceful conversions they had. They became known as the Marinin, the Marinins, or Marinin. That's M A 
R-A-N-N-E-N. The book that has that German title also supports what uh, Alberto is saying. The horrors went through all of Aragon, Cast, uh, Castellan, Barcelona, uh, Valencia, and Malorsa. The holy events all during this holy war for holy hate it remains until this 12th century excuse me, 20th century, under the guidance of the great inquisitor, inquisitor Thomas of uh, Turkumada. That's T-O-R-Q-U-M-A-D-A. They burned during the Inquisition in a three-day, three days in Toledo, it's not too reassuring hearing that word Toledo. Uh, 2,400 Maranas. In the year 1506, the monks of Lisbon celebrated the blood wedding and burned during Easter for two, on two days over 2,000 Jews. What a great sin of Roman Catholic Church against the chosen nation. <laughs> That's a quote, and I don't know. I mean, we say the quote chosen nation, obviously. Uh, no, it's not the case anymore. Uh, especially, the, <clears throat> But it's a quote from him, so that's how he sees it. Let us now proceed to the great book of Avro Manhattan entitled The Vatican Moscow of Washington Alliance, on page 219 and 220, he writes, It is important, although it may be difficult for some to recognize the religious nature of the communist-slash-Zionist-slash-Catholic political configuration, although deliberately muted in public pronouncements behind the Zionist banner, there was to be found an ancient messianic hope for the coming of a global theocracy, as predicted by all the seers and prophets of Zion, it was to be a theocracy in which Jehovah, not Christ, was to be the king or be king. The specter of the creation of such a theocracy has haunted the inner chambers of the Catholic Church for, from her earliest inception and still is a dominant fear. In Vatican eyes, therefore, the millenarian yearning for a global Hebrew theocracy represents a deadly threat to the eschatological teachings of the Catholic Church when translated into concrete political terms, such a view spells not only rival, but in uh, implacable enmity, or implacable, or implacable, like implacable enmity, whatever. Implacable. 
Furthermore, we turn to a recent newspaper article which adds great credibility to Rivera's claim on page 75 on December 4th, 1985, issued of Perth, West Australian newspaper, a paper most definitely not accused of anti-Catholic bias. An article appeared entitled, Prelate, Too Soon to Ask Forgiveness, Dateline, Rome, uh, Tevs. The article says, in part, it would be uh, premature for the Catholic Church to ask the forgiveness of the Jews for centuries of persecution. A Vatican cardinal said yesterday a group of Italians recently signed a petition requesting the Synod for of bishops to issue a statement seeking Jewish forgiveness. Although it has been a 40 years since the last of the Jews were tortured and butchered in concentration camps by leaders of the so-called Holy Mother Church, this paper admits it is still too soon for the Catholic Church to expect forgiveness for their heinous crimes. And they're not done, that's why. I now refer to Andrew St. Clair's book, The Great Silence. The Great Silence Conspiracy on page 8. He quotes from the Encyclopedia Britannica, 11th edition, volume 11, page 37. The Roman Catholic Church has always been, of course, the font of anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism was almost unknown in Tsarist Greek Catholic Russia until after the partitions of Poland in 1772 and 1795. A lot of things were going on during that period. Russian anti-Semitism was uh, endeavored with from Roman Catholic Poland. Uh, the Spanish Holy Inquisition was founded to destroy the Jews in, in Spain. Need we quote further than this to show the, the thinker that what Revere and Chick are saying today is vastly verified by writers of past ages. <clears throat> Charge number six. Rivera is wrong in associating the Jesuits with setting up of World War One. Answer the following statement is made on page sixty three of F. Paul Peterson's book Peterson's Tomb Peter's Tomb recently discovered. It's a lot of stuff to digest, isn't it, folks? Especially if you haven't heard it for the first time. The popes have been in or instigated most, if not all, of the European wars down through the centuries. In the book, The Vatican Against Europe, Edmund Paris, we read, Pope Pius X and his hatred against Orthodox Christians was continually inciting Emperor Francis Joseph of Austria-Hungary to 
chastised the Serbians. After Sarajevo on the 26th of July, 1914, Baron Ritter, Bavarian representative of the Holy See, wrote to his government, the Pope approves of Austria's harsh treatment of Serbia. He has no great opinion of the armies of Russia and France in the event of a war against Germany. The Cardinal's Secretary of State does not see when Austria could make war if she does not decide to do it so now. There is therein the true colors of the Vicar of Christ, the, the gentle apostle of peace, the holy pontiff, whom pious authors represent as having died for sorrow at seeing the outbreak of war. Again, from the same book, page 47, thus it is pro proved that Pius X and his Secretary of State, when they encouraged the most Catholic Emperor to make war, were coldly contemplating the consequences of their act, a general conflict which whom set the cardinal European empires against France and Russia. God help us if we end up having a Roman Catholic like these, as they're talking about here, is the President of the United States. We'll be all in the deep doo-doo. <laughs> That's the nature spooters there, huh? Um, they believe that they believe they have accurately estimated the strength of the different forces involved, but what His Holiness and his accomplice had not foreseen was the um, participation in the War of England and finally of the entire Anglo-Saxon world, the participation which was to thwart their plans tip the scales in favor of France and liberate the Orthodox population from the Vietnamese uh, yoke. Hence, the responsibility for the crime is beyond doubt an enormous crime which, over a period of four years, was to throw into the carnal house millions of Christian corpses, all the flower of European youth, and a crime all the more odious for being completely premeditated. Uh, one may say quite specifically that in 1914 the Roman Church started the hellish series of wars. It was then that the tribute of blood, which she has always taken from the peoples, began to swell to a venerable torrent. The above book and others are full of evidence that proves that um, the veracity of statements made by Alberto Rivera, the more recent publications, The Secret History of the Jesuits by Evan Paris, also mention similar facts. In the book Fifty Years in the Church of Rome, Charles Chinicki, published by um, Chick Publications, Inc., we read similar facts. On page 296, we find that Alberta, oh, excuse me, Abraham Lincoln agrees with Alberta Rivera. Mr. Lincoln said, 
that's supposed to be a quote. It says, quote, this war, the American Civil War, would never have been possible without the sinister influence of the Jesuits. We owe it to popery that we now see our land reddened with the blood of her noblest sons. Though there were great differences of opinion between the South and the North on the questions of slavery, neither Jeffrey Davis nor anyone of the leading men of the Confederacy would have dared to attack the North had they not relied on the promises of the Jesuits that under the mask of democracy, the money and arms of the Roman Catholic Church, even the arms of France, were at their disposal if they would attack us. History itself bears testimony to the fact that Rome has the blood of innocent multitudes dripping from her sinister hands. Rivera is right. The Jesuits were behind World War One, just as he claims. Below are some of the last photographs of Dr. Rivera while he has the director of the parish school of San Lorenzo, Teresa, Spain. And anyways, there's no progress in this article. So I think I'm going to stop here, start up again the next time I do this, on charge seven. I think it uh, is a valuable resource, a valuable part of the puzzle. Uh, when we look at this gentleman, Alberto Rivera, um, if just as far as uh, this defense of him, not only if you know whether or not it's much of a defense of him in the end of the day, as far as his motives and everything and who he was, I don't know. But the fact that along with him, you have all these other authors saying similar things, and, and then it starts to paint a, a more vivid, clearer picture of what we're under. You combine that with scripture and history and documentation to the best of our ability. Of course, it's so limited in our ability because, you know, we're not the insiders. We don't have access to the vaults in the Vatican, and we don't have access to a lot of the true history Um but we do the best that we can. So, But before I end this show, I think it would be really nice to end it with a, um, a short, it's about less than 10 minutes, but it's like nine minutes or something like that. Uh, it's called Daniel's 70th Week in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think it might be a nice way to end this recording. Uh, and um, I hope you're enjoying this. Uh, for some of you, I imagine it's old news. Some of you, it's, I imagine it's real new news, um, and all those in between. But uh, uh, I certainly enjoy doing this. The mixing it with history, the research, and scripture. I mean, it's broadening my understanding and uh, horizon. Um, uh, and and um, I feel really blessed doing this, really. God's put me in a, in a pe peculiar position, and here I am doing this. And I, I tell you, folks, 
six months ago. I never thought I'd ever be doing this. Here I am doing this. So all praise and glory goes to God. And I think you will like this. And this, I know we spent a lot of time on the show talking about Daniel's 70th week, but I, this guy does a good job in a compressed way to explain Daniel's 70th week and um, the importance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, And, of course, this, this, this goes out to everyone, not just Bible-believing Christians, but the, uh, Roman Catholics, Jews, uh, Muslims, anybody who hears this, you, God calls out. You I mean, check this out. This is pretty cool. So, all right.
Well, sorry about that. There's a couple more minutes left, about 
<laughs> but it froze up on me again. What a shame. Anyways, once again, that's uh, if you want to. It's called the Daniel's. It's called Daniel's seventieth week in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's from the YouTube channel My Soul Refuge. And so there you go. Well, she got some of the gist of it. That's kind of disappointing. But anyways, seem to be having technical problems all the way around. It comes to <laughs> the computer and with uh, talk to you and everything else. But uh, oh yeah, next week or tomorrow, we have Wacky Wednesday. We're going to be talking about the Nephilim. So. And I can reassure you, it's not going to be your usual spin on things. And so for most of you that listen to the show, you'll probably say, yeah, well, I already know about this. It's probably, um, hopefully most of you that listen to the show realize it's true nature, what it's all about. But uh, I am going to, Wednesdays I'm going to do uh, as, as, as often as I can. It's going to be called Wacky Wednesdays. Uh, a new kind of little, I don't know if it's really a series or not, but every Wednesday I'll be talking about some of the more far-out things that are out there in Christendom today. And, and uh, of course, uh, when I say Christendom, I mean with a D-U-M-B. And uh, we're going to try to put to rest some of these fables and fairy tales that are out there that are corrupting and polluting the minds of God's people. And um, so it'd be interesting to see how many people actually show up for the show, just like when I had the one about the moon landing hoax and also a bunch of people showed up. Uh, I imagine, how, I wonder how many will show up for this one. And I'm sure that those who don't know my show are going to be shocked. So I'm um, dealing with things like the Nephilim, this whole nonsense about amen at the end of your prayer has something to do with Amun Ra, that you're actually praying to some Egyptian sun god, uh, things like that. Dispelling, you know, they, in the Internet world, they call it debunking, I guess, is the thing they were trying to say uh, by a lot of folks, but... Um, Unfortunately, a lot of those folks do not teach the truth about Daniel's 70th week and are futurists and are actually teaching things that are contrary to the Bible. Um, so what I'm going to do is try to dispel some of these fables. don't know if anybody will enjoy it or not, but I'm, certainly, I'm, going to, I'm certain I'm going to grow in it and... Uh, so the next time somebody starts talking to me about the Nephilim, I will um, at least know where to send them to say, hey, listen, check this out, and then come back to me with your fables and your story tales. You know, your, your fables and your um, tales, fairy tales, excuse me. Um, it's amazing these gentlemen that are all part of this, too, with all this uh, push... Uh, uh, Chuck Missler, uh, all these guys, you know, these horn, uh, these booksellers that have, uh, especially, uh, I, you know, I have some uh, empathy and 
compassion for especially those who, who are new to the Lord and new because, um, you know, it's so hard to find, for many of us, it's hard to find a church that even teaches like the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, there's so many things out there that, that are deceiving and dis, that distract us from the Word of God. And uh, there's nobody out there uh, defending us. Hardly anybody. I don't know say any, nobody, but there's not enough. And so I'm going to try my attempt at explaining them the Nephilim mystery, if you will. Um, but I'm going to be uh, doing the usual, use, reading other sources, not just my opinion, and uh, explaining where it came from, the bogus science behind it, uh, the bogus uh, scriptural justification for it, and, um, you know... Uh, you know, we, we live in a culture of, that really is, it's sorcery. I mean, you, you look at the internet, the television, all these videos, all these uh, images, and we have all suffered greatly from a lack of ability to critically think and to challenge these things. And I've seen it myself. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say, maybe a year and a half ago, I was listening to this stuff and, and really kind of biting into it, buying into it. And uh, of course, now I don't. But <laughs> but uh, and I look at myself and go, how did I even get to that point? But I guess it's because of. I don't know what it was. Flat-out ignorance, childishness, uh, gullibleness. Is it because I'm an American? Is it because the environment that I grew up in? Um, I don't know. Is it Satan? Certainly Satan has a big part in it also. Anyways, that should be enough for this show. Another recording of um, uh, the Roman Catholic slash uh, Islam connection. Uh, anybody who's Roman Catholic or is uh, uh, Muslim or practices Islam, Islamic faith, I want you to know that I am not against you. Uh, I do care enough about you to actually share this. I hope that you can hear the truth in it. I would strongly believe that most Roman Catholics and most Muslims are, you know, decent people at heart. They want to do the right thing. They want to live in peace with us and everyone, and they want to just have their life. Uh, and um, I'm just here to share the truth about this stuff. And with that, God bless and have a good
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.